You're listening to Fiat Vox, a podcast that brings you news from UC Berkeley by the Office of Communications and Public Affairs. I'm your host, Anne Bryce. For Sonia Travaglini, mushrooms are her life. I would say fungi have been the hidden cousin to all of their more popular cousins and brothers in the biological world. She's a PhD candidate in mechanical engineering at UC Berkeley. Her research is all about developing and testing novel mushroom materials. So what we do is we get mushrooms who like to eat all sorts of things in nature. They're nature's recyclers. And they like to eat up all sorts of industrial wastes. There are more than 5 million species of fungi, and each one likes a particular food. Some like sawdust, others like plastic, some can even digest heavy metals. After the fungi eat their meal, what was once just waste turns into a new, natural, and compostable material that can be just left to decompose or used in all kinds of practical ways. So this is the basic block of the material here. The type of mushroom that Sonia works most closely with is the Ganoderma lucidum, also known as the reishi mushroom. It's been called the mushroom of immortality. And when it's not providing a magical cure for aging, it eats sawdust. Okay, so when you're looking at this, you can actually see some sawdust in there. Is that right? Exactly. And that's because we decide exactly how much of the sawdust it eats. Uh, If it eats all of it... Here's how it works. Say you're at an industrial site where there's a lot of sawdust waste. To get rid of it, you can sprinkle a couple of spores from a Ganoderma lucidum into a pile of shavings. And at first you just see little tendrils growing out like the roots of a tree. And after a while, all these roots kind of intermingle and link up, and they start to make this cellular material... If the fungi are allowed to gorge for several weeks, they'll convert all the sawdust to mushroom flesh, creating a heavy, solid material that can withstand a lot of force, similar to wood. If they're stopped before they're full, say just after a week or two, they create a lighter material with a lot of sawdust still mixed in. After it becomes the type of material the growers are looking for, they have to denature it. You have to kill the mushrooms. To do this, they take the mushroom substance, put it in an oven, and bake it at 70 degrees centigrade, or about 160 degrees Fahrenheit. This new material can be made into different shapes, and it can be used for all sorts of things, like insulation in walls, packaging, building furniture, even as a leather substitute. Ultimately, when you make products from animals, it takes so much energy just to get there, and, of course, it's not very fair to the animals. So by using something that actually wants to get rid of waste for you, because that's what it loves to do, all of those sort of ethical questions are resolved and you're also putting in so much less energy, which means you're not causing as much greenhouse gases and just sequestering carbon into those materials. So you're literally helping stopping the planet overheat. There are two companies in the country, Michael Works in San Francisco and Ecovative in New York City, working to use fungi to create everything from faux leather handbags to wine coolers to packing supplies. For the past few years, UC Berkeley has been collaborating with Michael Works to test the strength and durability of their products. I think I can guess what's on your minds. Do all of these products smell like mushrooms? The answer is no, for a couple of reasons. First, the materials aren't actually made with mushrooms. They're made from mycelium, which are like the roots of fungi. They don't smell like the mushrooms you'd grow in your garden or by the store. The mushroom part is like the pungent fruit of the fungi. 
And second, the material is denatured and dried, which leaves it nearly odorless. Sonia says it might smell a bit woodsy, but definitely not mushroomy. The possibilities of using fungi to mitigate environmental problems are far-reaching, says Sonia. Take an oil spill, for instance. You can get bags of straw that have been soaking up, for example, crude oil spills, let them loose with a mushroom that particularly likes crude oil and straw, and then they will actually eat all of that up, break it down, contain any unsafe materials, and just digest it. And then when you're finished, you can simply use them as fertilizer. And she says there are specific fungi that not only like to eat crude oil and straw, but that also thrive in any given climate. There's a fungi for everything. See, there is literally one or species or more or several where they are not only particularly interested in the feedstock you want to get rid of, for example, crude oil, uh, but will also really enjoy the temperature you're at. Sonia says fungi could also be used to clean up landfills or make toilets safer in developing countries. Fungi even have potential, she says, to alleviate different social problems like homelessness by eating extra materials like cardboard to create a more durable material that could be used to build houses. Why aren't we using mushrooms for everything right now? Well, they're just growing. (laughs) People are just becoming aware of fungi. And although it's all around us, it's even in our guts, it's on our skin, it's in the soil around us, it's just one of those kind of hidden wonders that people haven't really tapped into yet. I wonder if mushrooms eventually will just take over the world. (laughs) I think one might have an argument that they already have. (laughs) They're so included in everything we do, so they're really already there. But so far, they're our friends, not our enemies. Here's to staying on good terms with fungi. For Berkeley News, I'm Anne Bryce. For more news stories from UC Berkeley, you can subscribe to our podcast, Fiat Vox, on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher.